Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right. To Plan for Life Now the podcast, we are here in the. Well, this is not the first podcast of the new year. It's definitely not. It's no, the second. All right, forget that. Then it is the second, right? Yeah, that is our second podcast of the new year. Right. Uh, definitely no more Redskin picks. So we're yep. all done with that. Yep. And uh, what I have here to talk about today, I wrote down some notes about why diversification still makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I was supposed to ask you something off air. I totally okay. forgot because I don't want. I don't know if my facts are correct, but I think. All right. I think well, I read that it out on air. No, I think I read. I don't know if I'm factual or not. That diversified portfolios did very well in 2016. Like they performed. Okay. Remember, a diversified portfolio well, is not necessarily going to perform well every single single year. But I, I thought I read somewhere that they, in general, well, <laughs> diversified portfolio did That's a well. pretty general statement. So I let's try well, to... Well, we have to explain what diversified portfolios are. But it's basically, you know, you're in a bunch of different asset classes. You're not just in the S&P 500. That would be the opposite of a... I think that would be the opposite of a... That wouldn't be a fully diversified fully portfolio. Diversified. But let's take the opposite would be buying one stock. That would be the opposite. I mean, that would be the, the complete opposite of diversified. If you say, hey, I'm, I'm betting the farm on, right. you know, pick Ex- a company. Right. ExxonMobil. Right, sure. Any company. You know, or whatever. <laughs> you, put, you put all your money in there, that's not diversified. So l- let's take things back to the 1950s for a second. And a guy by the name of Harry Markowitz comes up with this idea that as you diversify, you can decrease your risk in a portfolio per unit of return that you get, right? Just a fancy way of saying the more you spread out your assets across different asset classes, the less risky the overall portfolio is going to be. Yeah, I'll bet in the 50s, your portfolio was all maybe three or four companies. I bet most people who were in stocks in the 50s, this is, of course, conjecture. Right. Yeah, I'm in the stock market. Well, not in today's thought of all these mutual funds. But in the past thought of, yeah, I'm in, I'm trying to think of what was around in the 50s. I have some Kodak. I have some Campbell's Soup. <laughs> I got some Kodak. Nothing bad will ever happen some, to them. <laughs> I have some NBC television before they were owned by GE. Right. What else do I have? That's it. Yeah. I'm pretty diversified for the 1950s. I got three companies. Yeah. So, you know, this guy comes along and says, you know what? You need to have more in your portfolio. And originally this started off with, well, you've got to have at least 20 stocks to be well diversified. And it's kind of gone even beyond that because then you start to add in other asset classes that can have lower correlations to stocks. 
And this is where we get into, are you in a 60-40 portfolio? Are you in 70-30? All of that, right? So now we're, we're fast forwarding 60, 70 some odd years worth of financial history. And here we are in 2017, which I keep forgetting to say. And we're still asking the question, does it make sense to be fully diversified? And the reason that people ask that question is when you look at returns last year, last year, the S&P 500 gained 11.96%. Right. Another great year for the S&P 500. Yeah. And for those of you out there keeping score at home, you know this is like yeah. people who watch baseball and they score the game themselves. Right. So those of you scoring at home there, that's every single year since 2008 wow. that the S&P 500 has been positive. Wow. So that's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. That's a lot of years. Wow. So as a side note, we'll just throw in here, that's not normal. That doesn't tend to go on forever. So I I wouldn't sit there saying, well, here's a great trivia question Hmm. for our listeners who are not your age, 37, but my age, 55 and older. There's a band, an old band called Steeler's Wheel. And they have a song that has something to do with what you're talking about right now. And you know what that song was? I have no idea. It's a famous song for older people. What goes up must come down. All right. Spinning wheel. I'm not going to (laughs) sing. Come on. Give us a few notes. You got it. You got literally two notes. (laughs) What goes up must come down. Okay. So not, you know, once again... As most of you are listening to this know, we don't sit here and try to predict, well, it's gone up, so it's going to come down. It's just if you look at history, and if you go back and listen to last week's podcast, last week's podcast, we were talking about using history as your guide to investing. And you can just you know scroll up and cl- or scroll down and click on that. It's really good stuff. But now we're going to take a look at in 2016, you were fully diversified. You didn't have all your eggs in one basket. What did that really mean for your portfolio? And what it meant, as it has for a couple of years now, is I don't know when you were saying earlier that a diversified portfolio did well. You know, well is a pretty relative. Right. Term. It's a very, I admit, <laughs> in comparison to other, say, particular indexes. Sure. I'm not saying it did better than the S&P 500, but a particular index might be emerging markets. It might be the S&P 500. It might okay. be bonds. It might be whatever. But here's here's what a lot of people see. This is just boiling things down. They say, ooh, the S&P 500 was up 11.96%. My portfolio was up 5, right. 6, maybe 7%. Well, what happened there? Why am I doing worse than the S&P 500? And, you know, should I just be investing in that? Should I forget this whole diversification, stocks, bonds, international commodities? And should I just invest in U.S. stocks? Because if we look at last year, uh, international, once again, this is international developed markets. So we're talking Europe and Japan mainly, um, on average up 0.67%. So basically flat for the year. Um, growth stocks. So if you had more growth oriented, mm-hmm. remember everybody out there who was all excited about growth stocks and social networking and video streaming? 
Well, gross stocks last year up 3%. Right. Not 11%. No, not not quite. And what about bonds? Um, you know, we, we often talk about why you have bonds in a portfolio, why you still need bonds in a portfolio. Up, um, well, I lost it here, up about 1%. And, you know, it depends on the types of bonds that you have, of course. Um, alternatives. You know, this has been a real hot topic. I don't know if we've talked about it a whole lot, but in our industry, the alternative investment space. This is right. something sort of new, sort of unique. Right. I call it the cocktail conversation. <laughs> because if you just learn a few of these phrases, you can pretend to know everything there is to know about money and not know anything. Like... This, these two words, if you say these at a cocktail party, after you say these, you'll have hypnotized your audience. You're not even going to know what this means, but say it and then talk about anything else and you're going to be the smartest person in the room. I'm going to touch on convertible arbitrage <laughs> and then touch on it because you don't know what you're talking about right. and then move on to everything else. You're now the cocktail party liar bragger guy. There's going to be one person there who goes, well, actually, I work for... Not like call you out. No, I thought you were going to say, um, you know, the, the cool trendy term for alternatives. What, what kind of alts do you have in your portfolio? Alts. You've got good alts, alts in there? Yeah. And now you won't get into a political argument about Steve Bannon, oh. about whatever. All right. Don't say that. We're not going to You don't to want to get into an argument with your friends. Right. You don't want this to turn into a political thing. All right. So alts on See, you should just stuck. Do what I say. Convertible arbitrage. Yeah. Sounds so cool. Sounds like James Bond is helping you with your investments. <laughs> well, not that we're going to get into what that is, because I'm not even sure I could do it justice. But, you know, um, alts on average uh, were up less than 3% on the year. So you throw in all these things that a diversified portfolio should have all these things. It should have bonds. It should have um, international stocks. It should have, you know, we didn't even touch on municipals or uh, emerging markets or all of those. And they all underperformed large cap U.S. stocks, right? Now, on the other side of things, if you look at how small cap and mid cap stocks and once again, these should be a part of your portfolio. I didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't have this on this uh, sheet I'm looking at, but I know the small cap was up over 20% and mid cap was up in the 15 to 20% range. So you need to have some of those in your portfolio as well. What you can't do and the trap that a lot of people fall into is they look at what has done well recently. And they try to draw the conclusion that that will always do well going forward. And when people do that and they say, you know what, I'm tired of having this diversified portfolio and underperforming the S&P 500. Because frankly, if you go back to 2008, so however many years, what are we talking, seven years now? Mm -hmm. Eight, nine, God, going on nine years here. Um if you had this diversified portfolio, you underperformed just U.S. stocks. But I think it's important to remind people about, in our industry, here's another term you can flaunt if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about. You say, well, I don't know. You guys remember the lost decade, don't you? Ooh, I like that. The lost decade. I'm I mean, throwing that into my convertible arbitrage script. Yeah, I mean, during the lost decade, convertible arbitrage was a, a key component in alts there. So it was, you know. 
So what was the lost decade? So it, it, in our industry, the lost decade is the year 2000 through um, through to the beginning of 2010. And why they call that the lost decade is during that time period, the S&P 500 lost 9%, right? So you went an entire decade where stocks did nothing. And by the way, this is not the first time it's happened. You go back to, I believe it was 1965 through 1974, stocks did the exact same thing. They went 10 years where they went absolutely nowhere. Um, And there've been other time periods when this happened as well. And if you looked at that time period and you were sitting there at the end of 2009 and you were saying, and by the way, remember 2009 stocks were up, you know, 30 some percent. So this is U.S. stocks coming way back. But if you sat there at the end of 2009 and you said, U.S. stocks down 9% over a decade, I'm sick and tired of underperforming all these other asset classes. Right. I'm getting out. And speaking, it might be a lost decade, but it was a horrifically lost nine years from right. 2000 to 2009 oh, before 2010 brought it up a little, or 29, the full year brought it yeah. up. Right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you really calculated, it would look even worse. And you might sit there saying, well, gosh, if I had have invested during this same time period in small cap value, I would have been up 138%. Wow. Uh, if I had have invested in international stocks, I... I you know, I would have been up seventeen uh, percent. You know, better than losing nine. Uh, international value up fifty percent. Emerging markets up one hundred and sixty-one percent. Heck, if I even just invested in three-month Treasury bills, I would have been up thirty-three <laughs> percent. Just three-month Treasury bills. Um, and if I invested in longer-term government bonds, I could have been up seventy percent. So it, it was pretty easy to sit there and say. This is a terrible performing asset class. I'm getting out of it. I'm not going to invest in U.S. stocks. You make that mistake, and all of a sudden, you're sitting here in 2017 going, God, what was I thinking? Right. But see, ultimately, and this is what's hard for people, A, understanding the various asset classes. I think in general, if this isn't your job, some people, this is their hobby, working on investments and studying this stuff, and that's good. Then you understand all this. For many people, they have their own job, and you don't even understand the various asset classes. But once you even get into the understanding of it, you could still slip into the emotional world of just looking at that S&P 500 going up every year. Why am I not? And then you can come up with reasons why maybe the rest of the world, look mm-hmm. at international, they're not going to ever be good. The rest of the world's never going to you know, come back or anything like that. But the real end game is looking at a 15 to 20 year horizon of one group like the S&P 500 index versus a diversified portfolio. And and this is sort of what we do when we do planning for clients. Money has to last their, their whole life and grow uh, for the rest of your life. I mean, that- we're looking at much longer horizon. And I think that's that's where you'll always see, uh, or for, for the most part, you're going to see the value of diversification. Yeah. And I mean, that's what you always have to take into account is that longer term approach, like you were saying. And I wrote down one more note that I wanted to cover here. And I think this is really hard for most people to do, um, whether it's advisors or it's individual investors, if they don't have some sort of system or strategy in place. And what it's hard to do is to rebalance your portfolio. 
And why I say that's hard is because everybody, you know, you, you're not going in the convertible arbitrage level, but you want to sound reasonably smart. You go, yeah, well, you know, clearly I rebalanced my portfolio. I mean, that's that's a smart thing to do, right? Everybody knows that. Um, but not a whole lot of people think about what rebalancing actually means. What rebalancing actually means is you know those funds or stocks or investments that did well last year, right? And you look at your statement and you go, oh, check this out. These are up 20%. They're up 25%. I love these investments. These are fantastic. Right. Now I'm going to sell some of those. Right. And I'm going to buy the ones that I don't feel good about. Right, because they're out of balance because they grew. So now that that category is out of balance because it did well. Right. In that example versus everything else you have. I think it's interesting that if you asked 20 people about their investments and asked them if they rebalanced their investments, they would say yes. And then if you asked them what is re- rebalancing, they would define it incorrectly would be my guess. Yeah, or the, I certainly don't think they would make the connection to say, I'm going to sell what has done well and I'm going to buy what has done poorly. Right. Like, whoa, why would you buy? I mean, a lot of Because times, when we first met, you said you want us to rebalance your portfolio. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, a lot of the time when, when we're sitting down with people, and we're going through and we look at, I always like to turn to the page, you know, in our reviews that, that gives the breakdown. So, I mean, you, you look at the top line number and you say, okay, the portfolio overall was up, you know, 6%. But then it gives the breakdown and it says, okay, here were your small cap stocks. They were up 20%. And here were your, uh, you know, large cap international. They were up half a percent. A lot of people will ask the question: Do you think maybe we should buy some more of that small cap? Right. I mean, that small cap was up. Right. And what rebalancing does is exactly the opposite right. of that. It's a polar opposite. It is to say, you know what? That's been up. Let's sell that. Let's buy some of the things that haven't been up as much, or even are down, because there tends to be this reversion to the mean. Where, let's go back to your song from, I know it wasn't Steely Dan, but whatever you said it was. <laughs> Steeler's Wheel. Steeler's Wheel. All right. I mean, that's one I've never even heard of. I so. pulled that one. Just, it's, it's in my brain. So Steeler's Wheel says, what goes up must come down. And, and that is definitely the case. So, or maybe not necessarily come down, but maybe not be up as much. Of course. And the things that are down might be up more. Um, so I... You know why I say you have to have a system in place is because if it's up to you to look at those things, if it's even up to me, you know I'm sitting there going, "Oh, what should I buy and sell?" No, we've got to have a, a structure, a portfolio in place where these rebalancing transactions occur on a regular basis. Um, so that is all about why you still want to be diversified why you want to rebalance, and just a little bit of a a reminder. And while you were learning about all that, that reminder, you learned two words. You don't know what they mean, but you're going to throw out at cocktail parties, convertible Mm -hmm. arbitrage. Yeah. And you knew that the song Spinning Wheel, which has the phrase, what goes up must come down, was done by the group Steeler's Wheel. Okay. Well, now, if I, I'm wrong about that because I don't have the I don't have my iPhone in front of me. I just was thinking about it. We'll get plenty of emails saying, "Dave, <laughs> you were wrong," but I'm pretty sure I'm right. All right, I thought you were also going to include in there you lo- learned about the lost decade. Oh yeah, the lost decade was great, and you could just throw in alts. 
I said not to throw that in because you don't want to have a political conversation. You had enough of those last year. Okay. Hope you learned something. We'll check back with you next week.